But your heart needs to be open and you need to receive what the Lord has for you. Are you with me? Are you? Okay. So speaking of um, those praise breaks, if you will, of celebrating his goodness, um, to honor a part uh, to honor a part of my African-American heritage this Black History Month, I will take on some um, good old singing preacher. Okay? So if I start really feeling it and I start singing, recognize you're experiencing an aspect of worship through the word. Worship through the word. Not a gimmick. Not entertainment. Not showboating. Somebody say worship. I don't know. It's been this way my whole life. I get that time in the word and presence of God, and I have to give something. I can't encounter God and just hold things to myself. I've got to sing something, help somebody, sow a seed. I have to respond. I, it's always been that way. But today in this Black History Month, you're going to get some of the singing part. So, so, um, so uh, get ready for that. Uh, some folks call it uh, uh, hooping. Tradition. What you? What Black History Month? Oh, hooping, hooping. Somebody say hooping, hooping. Uh, it's described as a common style of Black preaching, which first developed in the early 19th century and became common throughout the 20th and 21st centuries. The preacher begins calmly, speaking in a conversational, if oratorical, and occasionally grandiloquent. Okay, okay. Are, are we here? Are we awake? If you didn't have no coffee, you just got a coffee with that grandiloquent, okay? <laughs> grandiloquent prose. He then gradually begins to speak more rapidly, excitedly, and to chant his words and time to a regular beat. Finally, he reaches an emotional peak in which the chanted speech becomes tonal and merges with the singing, clapping, and shouting of the congregation. This aspect of black preaching often utilizes what is called preaching chords. Anthony, can you help me? Bombastic interpolations played on an organ and juxtaposed with the preacher's emphatic lines. Oh, you see? There you go. Just so you know, I'm not making this stuff up. Come on, we're doing some history. So nothing makes me sing and worship like the word of God. So if you're asking yourself, is this a musical? <laughs> I was going to say kind of, but not really. It's a black sermonic tradition that helps people get their praise on. Sometimes you're hearing a hard word and it helps it go down a little easier. Sometimes you've got so much traffic going on, so much worry and anxiety that you need both that word a thought and the melody music to cut through. And if it's anointed, you see breakthrough and yokes destroyed. People get victory. And that's what God has for us today. So with that being said, I want to hop into what the Lord has just been sitting, has just been sitting on my heart for you uh, these, since pretty much last week. Um, depending on where you meet someone uh, in their story, you could form an evaluation of them based on a moment that doesn't necessarily tell you about their full story, but it just tells you about a moment. Uh -huh. So you have to be careful because if you meet that person um, when they are um, 
going out to lunch with a group of people and then excusing themselves to a bathroom to then throw up everything they ate with that group of people, you might be tempted to form the wrong judgment about them. Because you can see what they're doing, but there's more to it than that. Why are they doing it? What's the, what's the backstory of why I would go to lunch with a group of people? Ha, 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 he, 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 to the bathroom and throw it all up. Why would I? So if you see that person in that moment, sure you can say that person is throwing up their food, but you don't really know why they're doing that. And the list goes on and on and on. Sometimes we catch people at a bad scene in their life. And we say, that's their story. No, 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 that's not the full story. That's just a part of the story. We, 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 don't, we don't really know in the fullness how a person comes to a moment and is making such, 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 such decisions that we might condemn if we're on a high horse. We're so, that we just, you know, it's like, hey, 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 you don't know why that person is doing that. So just, just, just back down. Just, just, are you with me? Just, just, just back down. And, and as I was uh, really grappling with this, I, I was grappling with Gideon's story. Gideon's story and your story and my story and the Lord's history, his story, and how these things all interplay together. Because I was asking the Lord for you, what, which scenes of Gideon's life uh, do we need to hear? Because if I show the highlights of Gideon's life, you're going to see why. You're going to say, well, I can see why in Hebrews 11, he's mentioned in the hall of faith. If I show these really positive moments when he's out there doing what God has given him to do. But if I show you those, you know, those, those other moments, you're going to be like, wait, this guy isn't. The New Testament in the Hall of Faith, I'm seeing him right here. And so I wanted to just take a step back and just, and just say, hey, it's not as simple as it looks, okay? And also to encourage you that because we are in Gideon's story and we're going to be in chapters in the, book of, in the book of Judges, chapters 6, 7, and basically 8, I want to encourage you to get a fuller picture that I cannot give you in the short amount of time we have right here. Okay, so I'm going to give you some scenes, but it's not the full story. I can't give you the full story this morning right now. But some of you have already been checking out because you saw last week. I mean, I have you guys bless me. I've heard from people who are like, oh, this is what I'm hearing from Judges chapter six and seven. And I'm like, man, I am a spoiled pastor. I just told the people to read Judges six and seven. And this many people not only heard it and did it, but they even shared with me about it. So that's a part of the kind of church this is. It's some good stuff happening in here, some diligence, that type of thing. So uh, with that, Anthony, give me key of E-flat so I kind of know where I am, just in case I get to feeling it. I was right there. I was right there. Just in case I get to feeling it. Okay, so I kind of have a key reference there. And this story is not the story as in this is a fable or a myth. This is documented history. 
But it's written in the Old Testament, and then you have this group of people who are discounting the Old Testament and all this, that, and the other. But I'm just going to give you the whole counsel of the Word of God and give it to you like Holy Spirit gave to the Apostle Paul in Romans 15, 4. And it's on the screen as follows. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. Somebody say our instruction. That through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have who? Hope. We might have what? Hope. Uh huh. We might have what? Hope. We might have. Hope. Anthony, gonna have to keep up with me today, boy. So when you are entering into a conversation dialogue with God, He is the God of hope. When you're meeting and you're doing a quote, quote, devotional, and if your hope ain't being stirred up, you want to stick in that devotional just a little while longer. Because when you look at the truth, you're going to gain hope. When you get in the scriptures, you're going to gain encouragement. If you're not gaining encouragement when you get in the scriptures, you ain't doing something right. And you need to figure out, what am I not doing right? Are you with me? Preach, preacher. Okay. Okay. Um, I have been thinking a lot about this story and Gideon's story. And um, I was thinking about, uh, just stay right there for a second. Online church, just stay right there for one second. Because I feel like we need, uh, we need a, we need a visual about a story. You see it? What you see? A blank page. You see a blank page. Amen. This is what God is giving to you. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, ultimately so that we might have hope. What we have to do is enter into, partner with, agree with God so that we are writing a story on this blank page that has us end up in the hall of faith. Well, if God wanted this, then this would have happened. And if God wanted that, then this, da, 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 da. I said, I thought we were in a partnership with God. I thought we had to agree with him so that we could uh, have this story Co-write this story with God. So some of you, I know the Lord has given you a blank page of paper. And he's telling you, come dream with me. Come dream with me about where you live, work, learn, and play. Come dream with me. Come dream with me. Come write out your story with me. I want you to lead your life led by my spirit. I don't want you just reacting. I don't want you just going through the motions anymore. I'm, I'm active and I'm moving. I'm a shepherd and I'm looking for people that will walk with me. And if you would just dream with me, you'll find yourself leading your life instead of just reacting to one. Oh, well, this happened, so I'm a victim of that. Oh, so this happened, I'm a victim of that. Now this happened, I'm a victim of that. This happened, I'm a victim of that. Whenever you're dealing in the Old Testament or any story... Uh, we taught this last year, but it's important to just mention this framework. You can always look for those four uh, roles, hero, villain, victim, and guide. 
hero, villain, victim, and guide. Because sometimes this stuff gets kind of confusing. Like, who is this and who is this? So in our mentioning today of Gideon's story, let's call Gideon one of the heroes. Let's call Gideon one of the heroes. One of the enemies or one of the villains are the Midianites. The Midianites. The Amalekites and the people of the east. The guide is the angel of the Lord or the Lord uh, himself. And the victim, which is really interesting. We're gonna, I feel like we're going to talk about this. Victim is going to be the people of God, the, the Israelites. Okay? See that little framework? Boom, boom, boom. You're discipling somebody. You're raising somebody up. You need to do your own Bible study so that you can have hope. Yeah, I'm glad I heard it, but now I need to see it for myself because I need to strengthen my faith. I know the preacher was preaching right. I know he was saying the right thing, but now i got to take that thing the next step and study it for myself. Read it with my own eyes and stare at it and allow the Spirit of God to take me into vision. Hearing is great. Hearing is great. But you want to work that thing, you're going to do it, see it, talk about it, chew on it, teach it. So some of you looking for Bible study, you can always have an opportunity for Bible study based on the text that we use week in and week out to go deeper into it and use that framework so that you understand, oh, I know what's going on. I know what's happening in this in this story. In a way that's not overwhelming or intimidating. So, I like a Winston Churchill quote that says, History will be kind to me, for I intend to write it. History will be kind to me, for I intend to write it. Oh, I'm not giving up. I'm not going to be a victim of circumstances. Even when I've been a victim, I'm not going to have a victimized mindset or mentality. I have the mind of Christ. That's the mind I operate in. Even when done has been done to me, I'm not going to take on that persona. I'm going to deal with my hurts and my traumas and my issues, but I'm not a victim. I am who God says I am. Blank page. Write an intentional story. Don't just be writing about, well, this happened to me, this happened to me, this happened to me, this happened to me. Those people, I'm not trying to be, I'm just keeping it real, you know it. The people who live like that, those are some of the most sad people. And if you say, I am pretty much always sad. It's because you're saying things like, well, this happened to me, and this happened to me, and this happened to me, this happened to me. And instead of processing it with the Lord in a healthy way, we just take on victimhood. And it's like, well, aren't you a Christian? Well, yeah, but where's that joy? Well, it's buried in all this sadness. (laughs) All right. History will be kind to me, for I intend to write it. Somebody say no more excuses. No more excuses. So when I read Judges chapter 6, 7, and 8, when we're looking at the story and the life of Gideon, the thing that bubbles up from my heart that I want you to have in your self-talk, to equip you in your self-talk and to equip you in your prayer life is what I'm using as our subject or our title today, and it is, He Believes in Me. 
He believes in me. Say that with me. He believes in me. Mm-hmm. Two more times. He believes in me. Uh-huh. One more. He believes in me. We need this in our self-talk so that when we're talking to ourselves, and nobody else is around, we remind ourselves that he, who is he? I'm talking about God. I'm talking about Jesus. I'm talking about the lover of our souls. He believes in me. Pastor, really? That's what you get when you read Judges 6, 7, and 8? Yeah, that's what I get. That's what I get, and that's what I get as a word for the church, to equip the church in the evil day, in this evil hour, is that he believes in me. He believes in me. When we meet Gideon, somebody said Gideon is a judge. He becomes a judge. A judge is a leader. A judge is someone who becomes a deliverer. He is a problem solver. Israel's got a problem, so God will raise up people at Bridge Church. Israel, the America's got a problem, so God will raise up people at Bridge Church. Uh, the world has got a problem, so God will raise up people at Bridge Church, and he will send them there as an answer. I will deliver through these people. This is what we see when we see the judges. We're not going to exhaust all the judges. We can't, like I said, this is Bible study. Boy, we would get after it. But for Sunday morning, Gideon is a judge. He is a leader. And he is in this um, echelon of people who are leading Israel as Israel is being knuckleheaded. That's just how I'm going to say it. So when Gideon is, when we meet Gideon, Gideon is nowhere near seeing himself. As a leader, Gideon does not see himself as a deliverer. He is a wonderful example of what it means to be a reluctant hero. This is very important because our church is full of reluctant heroes. This oh, Gideon's story is our story. Come on, family. Come on. We're going to hit this all throughout the year. Well, okay, well... You sure you want me to serve in that particular way? Wait, 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 wait. You, you want me to pray about giving like that? Wait, 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 wait. Wait, you want me to have this kind of marriage, Jesus? What, me? Me? And this is what we're seeing with Gideon because when we meet Gideon in uh, Judges chapter 6, uh, an angel of the Lord comes to Gideon. Uh, an angel of the Lord comes to Gideon, and uh, the angel of the Lord says to Gideon, You mighty man of valor! <laughs> and this just gets me. And Gideon says, You talking to me? Show it to him, Mitchell. You talking to me? And just leave it there, right there. You talking to me? Because when we meet Gideon in Judges chapter 6, he is hiding from the enemy. He's in there threshing wheat in the area of the wine press, but he's doing it in a hidden spot because he is hiding from the enemy. And then an angel of the Lord shows up and telling this scared man, who has every reason to be scared, by the way. He has every reason to be scared. So I don't want to minimize that at all. I don't want to give you the wrong impression. Because it was fearful times in the land. The angel of the Lord comes to him and says, you mighty man of valor. 
And his essence, his reply is basically, you talking to me? Don't you see I'm in here high? I'm doing my work in a hidden spot because I don't want them to kill me. And you calling me a mighty man of valor? What? What? And then it goes on. Gideon is like, well, you can't be talking to me because I don't have, I don't come from the right family. I don't come from the right family. I come from a low-class family. People in my family, they don't get assignments to go deliver a people for a time of war. We don't get called for the big things. That's for those people, the people who are more, you know, qualified. They've, they've, they've got a different pedigree. They've, 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 they've got a different situation and station in life. Uh, you, you, you can't be talking to me because that sounds like that's, that sounds like too big a deal for a for someone who comes from the kind of family I come from. See, in my family, see, we're, we, we're shy. We're shy in my family. And, and in my family, we're, we're, we're shy. We're hard workers, and we are these things or the other. But see, we're not those other things. Oh, no, see, see in my family, uh, in, in my family, we, we only do the things that have to do with cats, <laughs> dogs. We don't do things that do with people. Are you with me? So he's got all of these reasons running through his head for why he cannot be who the angel is describing. This person of, when you say valor, you're talking about courage. This person of great, of great courage. It's like, well, hmm. Somebody say, you talking to me? And so I'm submitting to you this morning the word of the Lord to this body in this hour is that might it be that God uses you because you are not cocky, because you are not full of yourself, because you are not so confident in where you come from. Maybe God believes in you because he knows he can really display his power through you. Oh, this is important. This is important. Because if he believes in me, I guess I should join him in believing in me too. Instead of giving all the reasons why it can't be me that he's talking to. Oh, you should get that pastor to do this. Or you should get that person who's got that certain degree. Or you should get that person who uh, has this kind of family. Or, instead of doing that, what if we decided... That, well, if you believe in me, I guess I ought to believe in me too. You can't lie. It's impossible for God to lie. And he places his belief in us. It seems like the best bet is to believe with him, agree with him. Are you with me? I want to agree about how you see me. I want to know that there is no marital challenge, there is no parenting challenge, no financial challenge, no physical challenge. There are, there's no challenge too great. You believe in me. You see in me what I don't even see in myself. And this is how a hall of faith kind of story gets written. 
is when I say, do I believe about me what you believe about me? And then we get brought into the process of having our minds renewed until what he says about us is actually what we begin to believe about us. You're giving me this word, and you're giving me this promise, and you're giving me this hope. Okay, Lord, work with me. Work with me. Oh, my goodness. So Gideon was basically minding his own business, and then this angel comes and says, Mighty man of valor, you're going to be the deliverer of Israel. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> you... I mean, you, you, you should imagine. <laughs> Based on Romans 15, 4, you, 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 should, you should imagine. So, we go through this moment where he begins to share some things about why he can, cannot be this deliverer, or basically he's just making up excuses. But before we get there, I want to submit something to you. Uh, Gideon did not uh, want to be the deliverer of Israel. You, you, you get that from what I'm saying, right? Okay. And, 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 and the reason why I have to lean in right here is because um, uh, he didn't want it. Uh, if somebody had interviewed Gideon, uh, uh, Gideon, was that in your will? He would say, mm-mm. I was hiding from those people. And you, you and I were making decisions about what is God's will. This is big. Please get this. And what we see from Gideon is Gideon doesn't want to do it. But then he learns that God wants him to do it. So Gideon's got to go through this whole process of his will so that he lines up with God's will. Just so a whole bunch of people could experience deliverance and the salvation of God. This is how your, me and your life is really going. And so I'm hoping this Sunday morning we get a bigger picture on our life and we can see it from a heaven perspective. That when I embrace what God's will is, many people get helped and blessed and they get the benefit because I said yes to God. This is the thing that you have to watch out for. When you know what your will is, I always want you to know what your will is. I want you to always know what you want. I don't care what it is. I want you to know what you want. I want you to be honest about what you want. And then I want you in that honesty to then take it to the Lord and say, now, Lord, this is what I want. Is this what you want, Lord? Because what happens sometimes with well-meaning people, Christians, Jesus followers, is sometimes they think that what they want is what God wants. Like, no. Somebody say, know what I want. And then you take it to the Lord and be like, Lord, what do you want? Am I in any way out of alignment with you and what you want and what you desire, what you're seeing and what you're feeling? I want to know that. 
Show him my card, Mitchell. I call it the war of wants and wills. The war of wants and wills. What do you really want? What does God, God's word say he wants? And ultimately, you need to go with God. Jesus showed us in Luke twenty-two forty-two, not my but yours be done. The ultimate example, the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate hero said, I'm in here sweating blood. Is there another way we can do this? And he said, but nevertheless, if this is the way you have chosen for me, I'm going to walk it out. If there is no other way, then this is the way I'm going to take. I don't want to take this way. But if this is what you have for me, when you have tried me, I will come out as pure gold. Because this is the way you have set up that many people would be saved. Many people would be blessed. Many people would be advantaged because I chose your way. So as you're going through, I always know what you want. Somebody ask you what you want, you should I want da 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 I want this, da 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 Hey, and it is what it is. No judgment about that. But you take that to the Lord and you say, Lord, is this what you want for me? Is this what you want for me? And if it is or whatever you need to modify or change or completely throw out, Scrap it and pick his way. Yes. And it was Anna said, preach. Thank you. That's a biggie. Know what you want. Don't be one of these people. Somebody asks you, what do you want? Well, you need to take some more time by yourself. You, you running not only from God, you running from yourself. Then, uh, let me show you about something he does. Angel of the Lord comes to Gideon, and, uh, and uh, this blame-shifting moment happens. Show, show him that little slide. I'm going to read this for you because I, I didn't want to have the team put all three chapters in the, on the screen. Pastor Matty said, thank you. We're definitely going to talk today. Man, bro. Man. <laughs> Judges 6 and 11 reads, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat underneath the terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. An angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, almighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, check this out. The angel of the Lord says, hey, mighty man of valor, you're being chosen. You're being selected. You're going to deliver the people of Israel. And then Gideon say, uh, wait a minute. If the Lord is with us, he says, why then has all this happened to us? Why are all these bad things happening to us? He's, Gideon says, and where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? 
But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. Well, I know the Lord was for us back when all these wonders were being performed. But where he at now? That's what Gideon is saying. Wait a minute. Where, where is he at? Wait, wait. If God is so good, then I'm not, I'm not, I'm not seeing it. So, so, so you want me to go in here when God's not being good to our nation right now and allowing all these things to happen? And you want me to go and stick my neck out for these people, my people, and then have my neck out for these enemies? Getting his blame shifting. Getting his blame shifting. Pastor, what is that? How do you know? The reason they are in the predicament they are in. The reason the nation of Israel is in the predicament that they are in was because they had rebelled against God. And because they rebelled against God, one of the recurring themes you see throughout the book of Judges is, and they did evil in his sight. God would rescue them, deliver them, and just bless them with wealth and bless them with all this stuff. And they would lose their thanksgiving. They would not remember what God had done. And then they would turn their back on God. And then there are some times in our life, you got to hear this real clear. Some of you are a little spooky. And you, but hey, you just got to, but you got to hear this real clear. And pay real close attention to how I say it. They were supposed to be in covenant with God. That's what they were. They were supposed to be in covenant with God, enjoying relationship with God. And so God basically, in, in this instance, and there's times in our lives when our ways do not please the Lord. That he says, okay, well, go on, Mr. Bad Stuff. Let's see how you do without my leadership. Where God is not covering them in this moment because he's saying, you are going against what I have said. And so let's see how that works for you. Well, let, why don't you go and see what it's like when I'm not covering you? So Gideon, all of a sudden, because he's feeling like a victim and he's got fear issues, he's saying, uh, well, God, if you're so good and this, that, and the other, then while all this bad stuff is happening, why is, why is this stuff happening to our nation? And God doesn't even bother with them. God just keeps on moving because Gideon, you know your nation, your people are in rebellion. So for seven years, this nation, this people, they are dealing with the effects of transgressing, rebelling, sinning against God's ways. For seven years. So the success they should be seeing and enjoying, they're not enjoying it. Because every time they do something good, an enemy comes and completely disrupts it all. And some of us know, but I have to, you have to watch it because some people are spooky. Uh, some, uh, sometimes when things are happening in our life, it's not the enemy. Sometimes this is the Lord saying, I just love you so much. If I let you go this way, you're going to utterly destroy yourself. Sometimes things are happening. God is allowing things to happen because he say, if I endorse that, you're going to blow yourself up. So I'm going to let it be known that I'm not leading you. And then that is meant to do what? Compel us to run back to leadership that is perfect. He don't do it all the time, but he does it. 
we were in Bible study, but we would break their sin uh, types down, Amalekites and Midianites, but not Bible study today. Somebody say, don't blame shift. Don't blame shift. Take, responsibility. Take responsibility. So Gideon is going to have this moment where he is going to go and be the deliverer. He's going to be the deliverer of the nation of Israel, of the people. And God says, hey, uh, Gideon, um, before you go and, before you go fight the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people from the east, um, I need you to tear down these uh, poles, these idolatrous poles that are right there in your own camp. Ooh, y'all better hear me. Gideon, before you, somebody say, go out there. Go out there. Oh, no, put, say with some more. Somebody say, before you go, before you go out there. He said, I'm going to need you to take care of some things in your own house. Because your dad has put up idolatrous poles, and those things need to be cut down. Please hear me. Don't be one of these people who, oh, let me go do good for all these orphans over here. Oh, now let me go do good for this, uh, this, oh, this worship night is happening. Let me go to this worship night over here. Okay, now let me go over here and let me do my entrepreneur endeavor. And we just do, do, do over here. And then let me go over here and let me take, put my hands over here. Uh, don't you have a, don't you have a family? Don't you have personal leadership responsibilities? Don't you have bills that haven't been paid? Hmm. Shouldn't you take care of home first before you running all over the place trying to save somebody else? Your stuff ain't together. How you gonna go help somebody else? Your stuff ain't together. Oh, please hear me. It's right there. God says, Gideon, before you go out, and you be my good leader and, and get written up in the hall of faith. He said, in your own camp, in your own home, deal with the idols. Tear them down. That's what he said. Tear them down. And Gideon did. Gideon was scared, but Gideon did it. Gideon went at night. He didn't go in the morning time. He took a crew of people and he took those um, idolatrous poles down. He cut them down and burned them. And some of you today, uh, show my next one. Mitchell, destroy the evidence. Destroy the evidence. Destroy the evidence of your idolatry. Gideon's family had gone the wrong way. God's like, before I send you out there, I'm going to need you to deal with this stuff up in your own house, in your own life. Get rid of it. Burn it up. So some of you, you're going to do something radical for the Lord. You're going to get your iPhone, um, your porn phone, whatever your porn phone. You're going to get your porn phone, and you're going to get a bat, and you're going to mark that moment. Some of you, you have just junk in your life that you need to get it 
Let me get this stuff. Pour it somewhere and burn it down. Oh, that's what. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then you're going to get a breakthrough. And you're going to be like, oh, I didn't know. Oh, God's telling me. to. Oh, my gosh. I'm hearing so much from the Lord now. (laughs) I want you to go all in. Destroy anything that might destroy you. You with me? If it's going to destroy you, get to it first. Tear it down. Don't be apologetic about it. Burn it. Burn it down. You guys, I just looked up at this clock. (laughs) Y'all, I just looked at this clock. Somebody say, he believes in me. He believes in me. And he gives you the order. You have great dreams and aspirations in every area of your life for that marriage, for that future marriage, for that parenting, for the finances, for your generosity, for your health, for your career goals, for you have dreams, ambitions in every area. And God is telling somebody today, you, you know you need to deal with that thing now. You, you going to deal with it now. So that what I do actually have for you, you can go into it. You can move into it, but he gives us the order. Oh, Pastor Dennis just does such a good job. He's, he's out there feeding the poor. He's at Friends Indeed, and he counseled us, and da 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 And my home is in a wreck? My wife is mad at me? My kids can't remember what my face looked like? Out of order. That's not Holy Spirit. That's not God. It looks good, but it just means you're running from what you're supposed to be tending to. Get a job. Get your finances together. Get your credit together. Get with the, do with the things that are going to enable you to make a bigger difference in the world. Somebody say personal leadership. Personal leadership. Deal with that stuff. Oh, well, uh, this day we're going to go play this game, and over here we're going to do this hobby. Boy, you got so many hobbies and games. I don't know how your life is even really together. Oh, guess what? It's really not. Priorities out of whack. The order is deal with stuff at home. Then let me go help you with my strength here. Now let me go help you over here. Is home okay? Okay. You good, babe, can I Okay. Practical. Pastoral, we won't have any confusion. (laughs) Some of you know this. I have worked very hard to make sure our church is not a program-driven church. Because I cannot stand, my God of mercy, I cannot stand when people are so busy doing church stuff and they are not dealing with the things they're supposed to be dealing with. You got so many activities, but you are a mental mess. I don't need a worship night. I need you to get your mind renewed for yourself. And then let's get together and let's combine power and strength. We're doing another activity so you can run away from your real responsibilities. I don't think so. We don't do that. I have worked very hard to be like, no, 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 no. Uh, I need you to have room because I don't want you up here serving so much that you're neglecting responsibilities where you live, work, learn, and play. 
we've worked very hard. Some of you know that's why we do what we do. We don't do all this stuff. Because it's like, if you're not winning yourself, then we're just faking the funk. We're just faking the funk. Oh, they're doing so much. But how are those people's actual lives? <laughs> that's right. The proof is in the pudding. I want to see how they're winning in their own walk with the Lord. Uh, so if you say, well, okay, I even I feel so good I didn't even get to do any real singing or hooping or anything. <laughs> Maybe next week. But between the Lord giving us communion so that we could remember Him and remember what it's all about, am I preparing for the Lord's return? Do I recognize that the assignments that God gives me as Gideon help to prepare others to receive the Lord? Do I see that? Do I know that he believes in me? That he has not put a cap on what good he can do through my life? This blows my mind. Jesus, uh, Jesus told the disciples, he said, speak to the mountain. Say to the mountain, move. And if you have faith like this, that mountain will move. Does that just blow anybody's mind that Jesus believes in you that much? Let that sink in. He believes so much in his spirit, in your heart and life, that he says, all things are possible for you. To those who believe, for those who are walking with me. That blows my mind. And here God is through Gideon. Gideon, I believe in you. Me, Lord? Yeah, you, Gideon. I know you. You're a mighty person of courage. You are going to deliver your people. So with any level you're thinking about this morning, Wherever that challenge is in your health, wherever that challenge is, whether you live, work, learn, or play, marriage, dating, whatever, wherever it is, you need to know God believes in you. The same way he believed in Gideon. And as you read Gideon's story, you're going to find all kinds of reassurance and hope and comfort that God knows that we're like. You talking to me? Lord, you know I'm a liar, cheat, a stealer. You know I... You, talking to me god you 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 know i got these uh uh, rage issues anger you talking to me you like me lord i've been addicted to porn for 88 years you want to you you want you want to use me and then we say okay if god is really who he says he is if god really knows the end from the beginning and he is sending me out, I think I ought to trust him. I think I ought to trust him. I just should just walk with him and stop discounting myself. If he's not discounting me, and I'm trying to discount myself, I'm doing everything in my power to not have to trust God. But he just keeps after me. Today is the day for some of you say, I let all that stuff go. I let it go.
I let it go. Today I live as a living sacrifice. I live as one who says, Lord, I'm living with you in your plan, in your purpose. Nevertheless, your will be done. I'm going to invite the worship team up. Come on, worship team. And I'm going to invite you to stand as they come and to worship God and deal with him on whatever it is he is highlighting for you. Maybe you you can't wait to get home. You've got a phone. You've got to smash up. You can't wait to uh, get to to a thing. There's a relationship you've got to clear up. There's somebody you've got to say you're sorry to. I don't know what it is that God is dealing with you about, but as we worship him, I want your confidence to grow in him as you see him clearly. The one who believes in you despite what circumstances you came through, despite what you've done or who you did it with. Man, because he's so good.